This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. Well, the Toronto real estate market keeps defying gravity. The latest numbers show a whopping 33% increase in GTA house prices over last year. And that includes an increase of nearly 5% in just one month. Who can keep up with this? The Toronto Real Estate Board says the average selling price for all properties in the GTA jumped from $688,000 to $916,567. And for a detached home, which is the ultimate in the homeowner's dream, the average is $1.2 million. Now, buyers who are priced out of the market are turning to condos. And so in the condo market, there's a 10-year low in inventory and rent is also going crazy. Units built after 1991 are not protected by an annual cap on rent increases. And yesterday there was news that landlords right here in our neighborhood, Liberty Village, were doubling, doubling the rent on some of their apartments to over $3,500 a month. Now, governments are taking notice and they're promising to do something about this. Is that a good idea? We would like your take on what should be done. Should we keep this an affordable city or is it just becoming like New York or London? The numbers, 416-360-0740, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And right now, let's go to Kenneth Hale, who is the Director of Legal Services at the Advocacy Centre for Tenants in Ontario. Hi, Kenneth. Kenneth? Oh, I'm sorry. I have the wrong guest. It is Jason Mercer, who is the Director of Market Analysis at the Toronto Real Estate Board. My apologies. Hello there. Good morning. How are you? Fine. How are you? Good afternoon now. Good afternoon now. So what is your take on these incredible increases in the property market? Well, I think, you know, and you're just speaking of the rental market, but certainly in the ownership market as well, we've, we've seen a scenario where, you know, the population continues to grow um, in, the, in, the, in the greater Toronto area. And, and I mean, our, our regional economy has been performing quite well, especially if you stack it up against um, other, other, other regions across the country and, and obviously uh, low borrowing costs factor in as well. And so we've seen a lot of demand for ownership housing. We've seen a lot of demand for, for rental housing. But at the same time, um, there's been a constrained supply um, on, on, on both sides, whereby, you know, we've seen more competition or an increasing amount of competition between buyers and renters um, over the last couple of years. And so we've seen average prices uh, move upwards, certainly by double digits over the last six months uh, when we're talking about the, the GTA ownership market and, and certainly mid to high single digits, we've seen um, increases in, in rents um, on average as well for, for condominium apartments. Do you see uh, any end in sight to these dizzy 
seeing increases. Uh, there have been a number of times when there have been predictions this has got to slow down, and it hasn't. Well, right now we've seen a real disconnect on the uh, when we're talking about listing supply, and and, and you know in, in previous market cycles when we've seen um, strong price increases, I mean that's prompted people to to say list their homes for sale. Uh, they want to take advantage of, of of equity that's built up in their home as a result of these market value increases, and say you know move into a different type of home, perhaps upgrade, or perhaps take some of that equity and 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 downsize depending on on where they are um, in their life. Uh, but but uh, um, you know, as we've moved through this cycle, certainly as we've come out of the recession, um, we've seen strong demand. Uh, we've seen a lot of households that you know would like to list their home and say uh, um, get into something different. Um, but they're concerned now that they're not going to be able to find a home that meets their needs within their, their say, neighborhood of, of, of choice. And so you're seeing more and more households um, that are, say, choosing to stay put and, and take advantage of these equity gains to renovate instead. Um, so, uh, a short answer, uh, was that, was the answer, no, you don't see an end, uh, well, in sight as, to as these increases? Through, yeah. And I mean, as we move through 2017, I mean, it, uh, you know, it, uh, um, coming to, to terms with the, uh, the listing supply issue, I think is, is certainly, uh, a longer term, you know, scenario. And so, you know, as we move through 2017, we continue to, we expect to, to see continued price growth. Uh huh. Now uh, there's been some call for governments to get involved and to do something about it, whether it's a tax on on vacant units like they have in Vancouver, or something else. Uh, do you have a position on that? Uh, well, certainly. I mean, we've taken part. I mean, the the, the mayor had a roundtable on, on on housing last week, and the Toronto Real Estate Board took part, and and, and we're we're certainly looking forward to to working with the the different levels of government moving forward as well. Um, I think our main concern when you look at you know different policy alternatives that have been put out there um, is that there hasn't been a lot of empirical evidence to suggest one way or the other uh, whether they'd be effective. And I'll take the foreign buyer um, issue uh, as, as an example. I mean, after uh, um, the, the, the foreign buyer's tax was in, instituted for the, the greater Vancouver area in the summer, um, you know, obviously, the, the, there are more and more questions about, you know, should we see a similar thing unfold uh, in the GTA? And so we had Ipsos undertake some polling for us um, of our membership to get a sense as to, you know, the deals that had been transacted through TREB's MLS system, what share of those were accounted for by foreign buyers. And that share was relatively low. It came in at about 5%. Uh, for, for you know GTA wide and and especially when you consider the fact that uh, um, you know immigration accounts for on net the, the the great majority of population growth that's a fairly low number and then certainly um, that on its own you know wouldn't get at the uh, you know the real imbalance that we're seeing between demand and supply so bottom line is that I, I think before you bring a policy online you need to be sure that you have empirical evidence suggesting that it's going to make a real difference. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about other measures? Uh, that that government might bring in to make the city more affordable. Um, well, you mentioned uh, you know the the, the vacancy rate ta- uh, uh, or vacancy taxes has has been discussed, and I, I think on uh, on everything like this, uh, the 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 devil is in the details. And right now, you know, I don't think there's even a clear sense as to you know what that number may be, whether we're talking about the city of Toronto or the surrounding region. So I think you know more research uh, um, you know is required there. Um, you know what what we've certainly been saying both in our year in review report that we put out in January that also contained an outlook is that, you know, 
for over the longer term, um, you know, in order to bring this market back into balance, we really need to, to look at, you know, number one, reasons why um, we're not seeing as many listings as, as we should in the marketplace and, and what we can do to, to get a better supplied marketplace moving forward. And, and, and certainly a lot of policy discussions so far have been focused on the demand side of the market. I think both at a provincial level and a local level, um, uh, policymakers need to also focus on the supply side of that price equation. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, Jason, hang on there. Uh, let's take a couple of calls. We've got Sam in Brantford. Hi, Sam. Yeah, good afternoon, Libby. How are you doing? Fine. How are you? Not too bad. My suggestion is this. When somebody purchases a single-family home in Toronto, that individual must live in the home, and also it cannot be resold for 24 months from the closing date. Like that would be the anniversary date, the closing date. Mm-hmm. That's my suggestion. I don't know whether it's a good one. I'd just like to see what uh, that gentleman thinks of that idea. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to uh, prevent flipping and speculation. What I'm trying to prevent is people buying a home for the purposes of just cleaning it up a little bit, you know, doing the backyard, uh, put new cupboards in and reselling it two or three months later. Okay, um, Jason, is that a reasonable idea? Well, and 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 your caller, you know, mentioned. I mean, it's certainly it's, it's certainly been something that's uh, that's been that's been discussed, and, and in the, you know, we've heard it from policymakers, we've heard it in the media. Um, but you know, I, I think the real important point to to his comment is he is he wasn't sure if it it would necessarily you know get at the issue that we're experiencing right now, and I, and I think that he's that he's right. I mean, you know, certainly we encourage you know policymakers at different levels of government to uh, to you know to to, to to look at various options, but the the fact of the matter is, is that you know I, I can't tell you today you know to the the extent to which uh, um, you know there, there there's investors in different segments of the of the market. It's not something that we track, and quite frankly, um, I don't think it's something that, that that's being accurately tracked at uh, at the at the different levels of government either. Similar to the foreign buyer tax issue. Okay, um, is that a, a a good answer, Sam? No, I think something has to be done. I mean, right now, it's almost like putting in a bylaw that is not working. Right now, whatever is in place is not working. So they have to do something to change it drastically and put that clause in immediately, not a year from now or eight months from now. Do it immediately. Okay, Sam, thanks for your call. Bye-bye. Okay, we've got uh, Brian in East York. Hello, Brian. Hi, Libby. How are you? Fine. How are you? You're on the air. Okay. Uh, I just uh, the, I understand the the story is that they they want to up the the rents in the condominiums from uh, fifteen hundred dollars. They want to double the rent. Um, it, this is just a couple of cases. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just want uh, just an, uh, the my comment is the the name of those uh, condominiums wouldn't be the Catherine Wynn. Uh, condos, would they? <laughs> you mean uh, Kathleen Wynn? Kathleen, yes, because she is the only person I know nutty enough to try and get away with a stunt like that. <laughs> well, no, these are these are uh, this is private enterprise. Oh well, I, it sounds very, very, very close to the same type of thing she'd pull. Well, uh, I don't. I don't know about that. I don't think Kathleen Wynne uh, is a, a landlord, but um, well, uh, she, she she certainly has uh, buggered up the hydro. I can tell you that much. Yep, that is that is for sure. Okay. Okay, Brian. Thanks for your call. Bye. Okay. Bye. Bye. Uh, let's uh, hear from Bob in Etobicoke. Hi, Bob. Hi. How are you? Fine. How are you? Not bad. I've got an idea of what I would try and do if I was mayor of Toronto, and especially he's always crying the blues about not having money. And since the housing market is as hot as it is and it needs a 
quick slowdown in some way. I believe the city should sell every piece of property that the city owns for housing. I have a property or there's a complex down the street from me. There's a complex across on the East Mall. And there's nothing but, you know, the police are there all the time. So they should sell all of the properties. I, I know the city owns some houses that would be going for probably two to two and a half million down in the beaches. And they're just people that are not working and whatnot. And some of them are disabled. I agree. But just like when there's no work in places like Timmins or Aurelia, Aurelia, they ship the OPP offices and, and uh, Sudbury, they got the, um, the Ministry of Mines. They ship, so ship these people to places in a temporary basis, send them to Kingston, which is housing available at lower prices, in Windsor's the same. So that we, and give them a chance, maybe there's work out there, because downtown Toronto, all the jobs have been eliminated because of there's no uh, commercial or industrial land left. So I would sell every property that the city of Toronto owns that's, uh, that's housing. Okay, thanks for And rebuild the new ones uh, better, more efficient, because some of them are worth a fortune, and... Okay. Okay, thank you. Thanks, Bob. Okay, well, that would be a a very controversial idea to get rid of Toronto community housing. I know the city is trying to uh, work on uh, improving it, and uh, they want to get more affordable housing, not less. Um, We are going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we are going to be talking to the Director of Legal Services at the Advocacy Centre for Tenants. Uh, Right now, we'll say goodbye to Jason Mercer. Thank you very much. Thanks very much. Have a nice day. Okay, bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. Uh, We are talking about the real estate market and uh, the huge increases both in uh, the real estate market, house buying, and also uh, in rental. Uh, We had news yesterday about a couple of apartments right here in our neighborhood in Liberty Village where landlords were doubling the rent to over $3,500 a month for small apartments. Uh, Let's go to Kenneth Hale, who is the Director of Legal Services at the Advocacy Centre for Tenants Ontario. Hi, Kenneth. Hi, Libby. Good afternoon. So uh, what do you make of this? Well, the government has let this gap in the legislation continue for the last 20 years, and as we're just really finally starting to see some of the people complaining about it and fighting back about it, usually these people have been unprotected from rent increases since 1976 when the Mike Harris Harris regime changed the law to leave... He wasn't here in 1976. Sorry, 1996? (laughs) Yeah. Oops. Yes. So since 1996, we've had this exemption from buildings that were built in 1991. Maybe it made sense in 1996 because the buildings were new and only five years old. But now those buildings have been around for a generation, and landlords are allowed to raise the rents an unlimited amount, unlike the rest of the rental market where if they get a guideline increase, if they're not 
satisfied with the guideline increase, they can get permission from the landlord and tenant board based on evidence to raise the rents the amount that they need to cover their major expenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, uh, the two buildings here where we heard about these uh, ginormous increases, I believe they're a lot newer than 1991. I believe so, yes. But uh, this exemption covers buildings that go back to 1991. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when when I see something like this, uh, there are two things that it would indicate to me that, A, the, the rent is out of whack in terms of the market or uh, be just that the landlord wants to get rid of these tenants? I Yeah, it certainly sounds like the latter. It's difficult to believe people are going to pay $3,300 a month for those apartments when the parent market rent was around 1600 So, you know, the biggest danger of having unlimited rent increases is the, allowing the landlord to target individual tenants and impose very high rent increases on them because otherwise, you know, our rent rules, our landlord and tenant law says that you can't be evicted without a proper legal cause. But non-payment of rent is always going to be a proper legal cause. So if their landlord has unlimited freedom to set the rent, that means that you as a tenant don't really have any security. Mm-hmm. And that on, doesn't on the make for good communities. It doesn't make for a healthy city. Uh, on the other side of it, landlords often complain that uh, it, it is very difficult to get a bad tenant out of an apartment, even if they don't pay the rent uh, and even if they trash the place uh, well, or whatever. I, I think you should do a little investigation of that. I go to the landlord and tenant board. Dozens and dozens of people get evicted every day, particularly for non-payment of rent. There's no trick to evicting people for not paying. Um, you know, but it takes, I wonder takes a while. What's behind the, it can take a while, but you know what legal proceeding doesn't take a while? True. We don't have instant justice in this country, partly because we want to give with rental, one of the objectives is to give the tenants a bit of time to get the money together and get the tenancy back in good standing. And many, many tenants do that, which is probably what the landlords want. If we just allowed the landlord to lock the door on April 2nd, if your rent isn't paid, I don't really think landlords would be much further ahead than they are now. Now, even if... uh some regulations were brought in for uh, rental apartments. Presumably, they wouldn't cover condos that are being rented out, and that's a fairly significant portion of the rental market. The Residential Tenancies Act applies to any rental property, whether it's a room in a rooming house, a unit in a condominium, an apartment in an apartment building, or a single-family house. We have comprehensive coverage of the residential under the Residential Tenancies Act. Okay, so uh, would changing that rule, would, do you think that would be a solution? Changing the, changing the law to require post-91 buildings to... Yep. I think it would be a very good move. I think it would help with the general affordability of housing, but it particularly would help individual tenants feel more secure in their homes. Maybe they wouldn't feel like they had to make that leap into the condominium market that they can't afford and they, if they felt that they were secure in their rental home. Mm-hmm. What about the arguments uh, that bringing in rules like that will uh, stop the, the building of new units? Well, we've had this rule in for 20 years, and they haven't been building anything. 
You know, if we're just starting to see the impact now after 20 years, they say, oh, suddenly we're building. You know, if a policy takes 20 years to work, I don't really think it's a good policy or I don't think that's the policy that's causing the new investment. So we need the law. We, you know, we don't tell landlords, if you make more money, you have to invest this money in new rental housing. If they make more money, they can invest in whatever they want, be it gold bars or oil wells in Venezuela. I think they probably would rather have controls on the rent than controls on how they invest their profits. Uh, we heard uh, yesterday from Councillor Josh Matlow, and he mentioned groups that might be at risk because of this, including seniors. Do you have any idea how many seniors might be at risk from rent increases of losing their places? It's really it's really hard to tell, but I you know anybody who's on a fixed income is has to really be concerned about rent increases not getting out of control. And that, you know, even in the regulated part, we have an automatic increase based on the amount of inflation. We can have larger increases, usually not more than an additional 3% for expenses. Even in the controlled sector, which could put some people over the edge. And then we have this significant uncontrolled sector that where the sky's the limit for rent increases. So I think seniors and anybody on a fixed income really should be concerned about this and should be making their views known to their provincial politicians that they want something done about this because it you don't know you don't necessarily know there's not a sign out in front of the building saying this building was built in 1992 and you might move somewhere or and not know that you're not subject to these laws. So we would really like to get the same rules that apply to the most of the market applying to the whole market. Okay, Kenneth Hale, thanks so much for joining us. All right, thank you very much. Have a good afternoon. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.